The following episode of America the Podcast is based on historical events. This episode may contain descriptions of violence as well as triggering sounds like gunfire and cannon fire. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show. This episode of America the Podcast is brought to you by the Real American Living Wage. Hey there, friend. You look glum. What's that you say? You're overworked and underpaid. That seems to be a running theme this season. What's that? You say it's been a running theme for every season of this so-called American life. You say that the rich get richer while the minimum wage of $7.25 an hour hasn't gone up in over 20 years and quite literally cannot sustain any person in a meaningful manner. Well, have I got the solution for you! Introducing the Real American Living Wage. With the Real American Living Wage, you can achieve such unbelievable feats of capitalistic strength such as paying rent on time, buying enough food for you and your family, paying all of your utility bills without having to choose between them, and introducing our brand new feature, enjoying yourself once in a while. What's that? You say your state would never approve such a thing? Well, it sounds like you may need to upgrade to the full American Revolution package. That's right. Not only does the real American Revolution package come with a guaranteed living wage, but you won't have to worry about those pesky politicians holding back progress any longer. That's the real American living wage and the full real American Revolution package upgrade, available wherever freedom is sold. We now join America the Podcast, already in progress. My point is, I don't know as if I truly believe in life after love, but what I can say for certain is that I do believe in ghosts. mostly because I've become friends with several specters over the years. Not close friends, mind you, but close enough to ask some of them to haunt people that piss me off. So watch your back. <laughs> right on, man. That was weird. You're a weird guy. Thank you. So what have you been up to the past couple weeks? Ah, I went clubbing in Antarctica. Like some billionaire pop-up club or something? No, but I like where your head's at. Definitely going to invest in something similar. No, this was a... Different kind of clubbing. Different kind of... Oh, no. Dude, you didn't go hunt seals again, did you? No, no, we weren't hunting them this time. We were protecting a waddle of penguins and their eggs. Oh, well, I guess... I mean... that That's messing with nature, but... At least the penguins are okay? As are their eggs. If those damned seals had gotten to them, it could have completely killed the harvest. Harvest? Oh, yes. Penguin eggs make fantastic omelets. Oh, we should serve them at that pop-up club in Antarctica before it melts in ten years. Make it a brunch thing. Wait, Antarctica will be gone in ten years? Yes, so I would get a boat if I were you. I'll sell you one of my yachts at a discount. Gee, thanks. You are welcome. Irregardless of the inevitable worldwide flood that will likely kill every soul on the planet, it will be nice to visit the pyramids under Antarctica without taking the secret elevator. Wow, that is just too much to unpack. That's probably for the best. I keep getting in trouble for letting out secrets like that. Instead, I believe we should get to our next story. I even brought notes. Wow, honestly kind of shocked you prepared. Right? I have no idea what came over me. 
Maybe it was nostalgia, or maybe it was just gas from all the pickled jalapenos I ate earlier. Irregardless, I'm ready to fart out another tale from my past. Tonight on America the- Aren't you gonna ask me what I've been doing? What the f- Jesus Christ, you completely killed my momentum. Under the right circumstances, you could have died from doing such a thing. Ugh. Fine. What have you been doing? Uh, let's see. Uh, let me think. Oh my Christ, you don't have something already? Uh, well, I finally watched all of Attack on Titan. God damn it, seriously? You stopped my groove to tell me about a TV show? I mean, it's pretty good. No way is that show good enough to warrant an interruption of my very important voice when I'm saying my very important things. I mean, yeah, dude, it's that good. Wait, seriously? It's that good? Yeah, it's incredible. Well then, I must watch every single episode, and I will do so while my theme song plays. Tonight on America the Podcast! Back. Hello, America. It's America, the podcast. So what'd you think? Totally worth it. Easily the greatest thing ever produced in America, second only to my greatest of shows, America, the podcast. But it's from Japan. But they spoke American. Okay, well, for one, the show is recorded in Japanese and then dubbed in English. Two, the language is called English, not American. And three, multiple countries speak multiple languages, including America. Fascinating, but probably wrong because I didn't say it. Irregardless, I'll be damned if I have to wait until winter 2022 for the last half of season four. I must know what happens to Aaron Yeager. Oof, yeah, that wait's gonna suck bad. Indeed. So, you ready to start the new episode? Double indeed. Okay, what are we doing today? This week I will be regaling you commoners with the story of how I saved John Hancock's fish dinner. I also warned the towns of Lexington and Concord about an impending attack, but the fish were the most important part, at least to John. Why was it so important? It was really good salmon. As good as Attack on Titan is awesome. Our story begins at the First Continental Congress and... Actually, you know what? This part is boring. But it's a major historical event. And I had nothing to do there but take notes. I would have been a representative, but John Adams beat me to it. The entire event was 56 sweaty men yelling at each other and not agreeing on a thing. The only thing the podcast listener would hear is a bunch of shouting and the word liberty now and again. If you want to see a decent representation of the First Continental Congress, just go watch John Adams on HBO, starring actor and fellow Skull and Bonesman, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> what? Paul Giamatti's in the Skull and Bones? Crazy. Yes, he is, and that's all I can say about that. Paul knows way too many of my deep, dark secrets. Like what? Like the time I... Ah, <laughs> you almost got me. Touche, Timothy. But enough about my secret affair with John Quincy Adams. I'd rather talk about John Hancock and his fish. Wait, what? John Hancock's fish. Clean out your ears. That's not... Just tell the story. Our story actually begins the evening of April 18th, 1775. A month prior, my friend Patrick Henry had delivered his Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech and riled up the patriotic populace. Feeling patriotic AF myself, I decided to do some reconnaissance for Paul Revere's spy network, The Mechanics. Weren't The Mechanics only artisans? Jesus, you can't let me go three lines without interrupting. But yes, 
Well, that was not my main job as I was and am a member of the aristocracy. I did have my hobbies. I used to make swords, eventually sold some to friends, and was commissioned to make various pieces for people like General Washington and John Jay. Well, one thing led to another, and I ended up controlling most of the steel in America. My real art is making money out of absolutely everything. Of course it is. Uh, so what kind of spying were you doing? Well, it wasn't so much spying as it was, uh, how should I put this, uh, stooping General Thomas Gage's wife, Margaret Campbell Gage, who would occasionally give me information on what old Tommy G was doing. You were having an affair with Thomas Gage's wife? Also, we don't have to see or hear that, do we? Oh, no. My sexual exploits are too incredible for human eyes and ears to behold. Unless you're involved in the exploit itself, that is. As for the affair, the Gages had an open relationship, plus the affair was good for the cause. Yes, if you needed a honeypot operation performed, you would call me. Fun fact, my sexual escapades and espionage later inspired James Bond after I hung out with Ian Fleming for an evening in Jamaica. I don't believe you. Well, fine then. I guess you won't be getting the real Goldfinger's gun for Christmas this year. Aw, oh, come on. Okay, fine. Will you settle for the Moonraker laser? <laughs> Hell yeah. Moving on. Midge had told me that her husband was planning on taking troops to confiscate and destroy some weapons caches we Americans had hid in Lexington and Concord. Gage also allegedly planned to arrest Samuel Adams, John Hancock, and myself for obvious reasons. Open relationship or not, Gage did not like me. Upon hearing this, Midge and I slept together three more times before I set off to the house of my fellow patriot, Joseph Warren. Dr. Warren then summoned silversmith and artist who ripped off every painting he made, Paul Revere. Explain that. What's to explain? He famously painted an image of the Boston Massacre, as well as other propaganda pieces, all of which he ripped off from other artists. If I explain every minute detail, this will take forever. May I continue? Yeah, sorry. As I was shouting, Dr. Warren summoned Paul to his home and I informed them both of General Gage's plan. After our meeting, me and Paul set off to set up the warning signal at what is now called the Old North Church. When we arrived, we found Robert Newman, the sexton of the church, and informed him to light two lanterns as our signal. The two lanterns meant that the Redcoats planned to row across the Charles River to Cambridge, rather than march out the Boston Neck. One if by land and two if by sea? Correct. After that, Paul and I each rode back home to get supplies and then met at Boston's North End waterfront where friends of ours waited to row us across the river to Charleston. Once there, we were able to warn Colonel Content and other Sons of Liberty members about what was happening and confirm they had seen the signals in the North Church Tower. It was at that point I grabbed a drink from the nearby pub, something Paul was not too cool with. What the hell are you doing? We don't have time for this! Paul, we just rode for miles and I need something to drink and eat. Luckily, beer is both. Calm yourself, man. Hurry up and let's go! Yes, yes. After I pounded some brewskis, as we totally used to say back then, Paul and I borrowed some horses from my friend John Larkin, and we were off once again. A short while later, I believe around, oh, 7 p.m., we were nearly captured by a regiment of redcoats. We then altered our course and headed for Medford, where we were able to alert Captain Isaac Hall of the local militia about the impending attack. I then grabbed another beer while Paul screamed at me from outside, and we were off once again. Sometime later, we safely made it to the home where Sam Adams and John Hancock were staying. Upon arriving, I greeted the gentleman who was guarding the house, and like a true spy, Paul began shouting and potentially giving away our position. Good evening, my friend. 
Ah, uh, is that Mr. Stjart I hear? Indeed it is, my good man. I'm here with... They're coming! They're coming! Those lobster bastards are coming! Ah, Mr. Avere. You wake the dead, Paul. Stop making so much noise. Noise? Noise? You'll have noise enough before too long. The regulars are out. They're coming! Paul, would you calm the hell down? You sound like a madman. But yes, he is correct. I was told by an informant of mine that General Gage is on his way to arrest Sam, John, and likely myself. He also plans on destroying our weapons cache. My god. Is that Mr. Stard and Mr. Revere? Indeed it is. Come inside, come inside. And I will pause there so I can engage in light capitalism through these advertisements. We'll be right back after this. It's America, the podcast. America, the podcast is brought to you by Global Warming. Global Warming. It may not be the apocalypse you want, but it's the apocalypse you're going to get. Where was I? Ah, yes. Myself, Sam Adams, John Hancock, Paul Revere, and some of John's family were resting in the house parlor by the fireplace while we waited for William Dawes to arrive. After about half an hour, Dawes showed up and me and Paul set off with him to continue our alert. We picked up Sam Prescott along the way, but were ambushed by Redcoats shortly after. Sam and William were able to get away, but not before William was thrown from his horse and limped the entire way home. It was rather hilarious, actually. Like a cartoon. Face went into the mud, femur popped out, so more like a violent cartoon. Like a Richard and Mordecai or something. You mean Rick and Morty? No, I'm pretty sure I said it right, as I am always right. We've been over this, Timothy. Get it through your hippie head. As for myself and Paul, let's see. I remember making it to the tree line right as Paul was being captured by the Redcoats. Not wanting my friend to be killed, I stalked the troops to where they were taking him. I believe it was some sort of a barn, if memory serves. Once there, they restrained and grilled him for a few moments. I was able to make it to an area behind the barn to spy on them, when Paul all of the sudden... I think it's all of a sudden. Preposterous! I'm confident it is THE sudden. The sudden being an event that happens all of a sudden. But you just... You know what? I'm gonna let you have this one. Finally! A rich white man gets something in this world. As I was shouting... The soldiers took Paul to a barn for interrogation when all of the sudden, <sighs> Paul began to spill the beans. <laughs> You'll never win. Me and the other patriots have already worn the towns. We have 500 militiamen waiting for you, bloody backs. Each won a better shot than the next. But keep going if you want an American musket ball between the eyes. <laughs> right, I think we'll risk it. Send a regiment. The soldiers left and returned shortly after to report that Paul was correct, stating they indeed had been fired upon when arriving in Lexington. It turns out the people we had warned thought the invasion was a false alarm and decided to go drink at the bar the rest of the night. The shots the Redcoats had heard had just been the men discharging their guns as to not leave loaded weapons just lying around outside of the bar. Not like today, of course. A true American would just leave a slew of loaded guns scattered on the ground outside any business. It's their freedom to do so. Objectively untrue. Like you know, pacifist. Is that supposed to be an insult? I... I don't know. I was always told that unless you are perpetually ready to be a violent person, then you have no worth. 
I think you need to go to therapy. If Sigmund Freud and two different Dalai Lamas couldn't help me, there's not much hope for yours truly. As a former Republican, I prefer to stay in my own delusions. It's much more whimsical that way. Yeah, fair enough. As I was shouting, the regiment returned to let their commander know Paul was indeed telling the quote-unquote truth. He speaks the truth, sir. At least 500 men on us when we arrived. Right. Tell them to regroup. Let this colonist shit go. Move out! Move out! As the soldiers cleared out, I snuck into the barn to find Paul and untie him. Once freed, we hopped on my horse and made haste back to Sam and John to assure they escaped to safety. Upon arriving, we found them still at the home, cleaning their guns and preparing for battle. What in the places are you doing here? Preparing for battle. Are you mad, sir? You can't join the fight! Paul is correct. The two of you, and most importantly I, might get caught and hung. We must leave here post-haste, my friends. Let him come. I'm ready, Father. Oh my god. Uh, John, my friend, I admire not only your patriotism, but your stubbornness as well. I may even support you becoming our leader someday, but I would also like to be alive when that happens. Please, sir, gather your things and let's go to safety before we end up hanging from the trees outside. Thamadias is right, John. We should go. And with that, we loaded the carriages and were off. For a moment. At least until John decided he forgot something. We need to go back. Whatever for? Well, I left some good salmon back at the house. It'll go bad by morning. We cannot go back for salmon. It's really good, though. Ah, I see. Paul, we need to go back. He says it's really good salmon. Damn it! I will go back for it. You keep going. Bring my family, too, yeah? Forgot about that lot. Oh, my God. Anything else? Yeah, there's a chest of documents that might get us hung if Gage finds them. Lots of Sons of Liberty meeting papers, notes and the like. My god, right, I'm going back. Keep going to safety. Paul made his way back to the house as we carried on down the road. Once he gathered the fish, the family, and the mountain of incriminating paperwork, he set off again to meet up with the rest of us. He only stopped to bury the chest of Sons of Liberty documents in the woods, where he allegedly got some dirt on the fish, which John was less than thrilled about. But that's not important, despite how much I talked it up earlier. Good fish, though. I got to have some after the battles that are coming up. Once Sam and John were safe, I set off for Lexington to make sure the town was prepared. Upon arriving, I found dozens of drunk, unconscious militiamen. I chugged a beer and began to gently wake them from their slumber, not wanting the men, or more importantly myself, to die in a hail of redcoat bullets. Wake the hell up, you fools! The regulars are on their way and will be here within minutes! The men scrambled for their guns and stumbled into position. I myself made it back behind the men to give orders. Before I was able to do so, some well-meaning onlooker decided it was the perfect time to fire at the Redcoats. Cease fire, damn you! Cease fire! When that happened, the Redcoats opened fire on us without any order given by their commander or any sort of organization. Kind of like the Boston Massacre, except we were ready for them, although just as, if not more, drunk. After some ammunition exchange, Colonel Smith told his redcoat troops to cease fire and continue on to Concord. Upon hearing that, I made for my horse and started there myself, only to be joined by Prescott. Once we made it to Concord, we were able to warn Colonel Barrett and the town to prepare for the incoming onslaught. 
Colonel Barrett was able to get the militia to safety so as to regroup while the Redcoats went to burn the munitions stored at Barrett's farm. When the townspeople saw the smoke, they assumed the Redcoats were burning Concord. This prompted more people to join our fight as we began advancing on a bridge that was being occupied by the Redcoats. Out of, uh, let's say, nowhere, maybe, according to historians at least, a shot was fired. It was so loud, some say it was heard round the world. <coughs> this prompted our men to attack, overwhelming the Redcoats to the point they retreated. Hold on, man. According to historians, is that your roundabout way of saying you fired the shot heard round the world? Well, yes and no. I didn't intentionally fire the shot. Uh, what happened? Well, uh, okay, fine. I sneezed and dropped my gun. God damn it. I know, I know. It was spring and we were in a field. Before my immortality, I didn't do well with pollen. Did anyone get hit when your gun went off? Oh yes, I hit a British officer and killed him. I may make the occasional oopsie-daisy, but since I was a perfect human man and am currently a perfect demigod, it always works out for the best. But like, people died again. And they kept dying after that. Our military ambushed the soldiers all the way down the road multiple times, picking them off one by one. My point is, this is war. Some say it's good for nothing. I say it's a good way to impose freedom on the masses while making easy money if you're into that whole war profiteering thing, which I am. It also makes for nice nostalgic tales for people that are into brutality against their fellow man. Fun fact, a man I grew to know after the battle, who was 78 at the time, took out 10 men before the Redcoats sent a detachment to take him out. The man didn't retreat and killed three more attackers before they shot him in the face and bayoneted him several times. The man ended up living 18 more years and told the story over and over and over again. It's so annoying to listen to someone brag about themselves constantly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna respond to that. Um, yeah, damn, that is brutal. Oh, you want more brutality? No, not really. I don't think I said that. Too bad. While retreating, two redcoat soldiers threw their guns into a pond and surrendered to an old woman who later turned them into myself and Colonel Barrett. That doesn't sound violent. She would later rip out the tongues of several British officers just for the fun of it. Didn't even try to enlist in the militia to help out. She claimed she was trying to basically be a good guy with a gun, or scissors in this case. Turns out she was just a serial killer and was arrested later on. No one knew the term serial killer back then, so we just marked her as a witch and let Salem handle it. Jesus, did that happen? Well, no. Not the serial killer part. She just turned in those soldiers and went on her way. Super sweet old lady. Name was Agnes, if I recall. Made incredible muffins. She gave me a basket of them to share with the militia, but I ended up eating every damn one of them. Then why did you make that up? I was just trying to mess with you for being a pacifist. Don't do that. Keep these episodes as historically accurate as possible. Oh, you want accuracy? Then why don't I get credit for my revolutionist ideas? I mean, I feel like you do. Then why the hell did Payne get all the credit for writing Common Sense? Because he wrote it? Ha! And I bet you also believe that 9-11 wasn't an inside job. Did you cause 9-11? What? No, 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 no. That was all Dick Cheney. I was just trying to make a point and do some light whistleblowing at the same time. Speaking of the truth, let me tell you about a night I spent in a pub while visiting Philadelphia. The year was 1775, and- Oh, this story. Uh, can we wait until next time? I gotta leave. Where are you going and why can I not come? I have to go to the dentist. 
You don't need a dentist. Just let me at those teeth with some pliers and I'll save you a trip. No, no, no. I don't need anything pulled. Just to clean. Oh, then let me pour some bleach in your mouth. It'll whiten those teeth right up. Works for me. Man, it is a good thing you are immortal. Indeed it is. I could do literally anything without worry or consequence. Just like America. Speaking of, thank you for listening, America. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so that you catch the next exciting installment of the American Revolution from my incredible perspective here on America the Podcast. Good night and good fight. It's America the Podcast. This has been America the Podcast, hosted by me, Thebadias A. Stard, the embodiment of an only hope for America. Tim is also there. You can catch my very important show every week on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Shway Media, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and give my very important show a five-star review on one of those fancy apps while you're at it. I command it. You can also hear the show and access more content such as transcripts and research material at americathepodcast.com. And don't forget to watch Rapid Fire News and other very important segments on TikTok and Instagram at America the Podcast. You can also find my very important show on Facebook and Twitter if you're into that sort of thing. And now to contractually credit the people who help make my very important show possible. America the Podcast is a Shway Media original podcast. Writers for the show include me, Thabadias A. Star, Tim Philippi, Alana Matos, and Michael Seismore. Since the space-time continuum doesn't allow for audio recording or something dumb like that, I don't know. The voice of Sam Adams was provided by Brad Phillippe. The voice of John Hancock was provided by Michael Seismore. And the voice of Paul Revere was provided by Tim Phillippe. The mid-show commercial was read by Alana Matos. Tim and I speak for ourselves. Executive producers for the show are Alana Matos and Tim Phillippe. Sound design is by Tim Phillippe and all dialogue is mixed in Shway Media Studios. All research and fact-checking for the show was performed by Michael Seismore and Tim Philippi. A full list of research sources for this season of America the Podcast is linked in the description of each episode. The show's theme song is by Timmy Two-Step, and all other supporting audio heard in the show was procured through audioblocks.com, freesound.org, and ambient-mixer.com. That's it. Go on now. You hear? This has been a production of Shway Media, all rights reserved. For more information, please visit shwaymedia.com.